get ready. Welcome to the Two Metal Fans Podcast, where we talk about metal and non-metal and things about life and things that don't matter, so get used to it. We're gonna talk your face off. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Metal Fans Podcast. It's one of the hosts, Logan, and sitting next to me, as usual, is the other host. What's your name? Other host. I'm not going to introduce you. So you It's a new year, man. New year, same me. <laughs> well, it's your other host. Other host. Co-host of the Two Metal Fans Podcast. The hostess with the mostest. Jordan. Hey, I did it. You did it. It just took a while. I reverse engineered, reverse psychology you. That was not engineering. Nope. Uh, I mean, it was well engineered. It's been a little while since we last did a podcast. It was before Christmas, and now it's after New Year, which there isn't a huge gap between the two, but like... It feels like there's a huge gap between the two. It's been a bit. What have you been up to? Not working, just like relaxing, sleeping. Yeah. Enjoying time off. Yeah, same. Fortunately, neither of us had to work the week between Christmas and New Year's, which is huge. The, that break is a much-needed break, and I honestly should be kind of... Everyone should get, or most people should get a similar break, I feel. Even, though, obviously, like retail and stuff, they can't always get that, but great to be lazy and then also get stuff done at the same time. It's kind of crazy how much you can get done and be lazy when you don't have to work all day. Eight hours is a long time. It is a long time. That's a different conversation, but yeah. In that time period, have you been listening to much music, or did you kind of take a hiatus from music as well? Uh, I kind of took a hiatus from music because I was still kind of riding the high of uh, Protest the Heroes album test. Oh, interesting. So like, I listened, I listened to that pretty much all break because I didn't want to listen to new music, really. I mean, if you enjoyed it, that's fine. I really didn't listen to much music at all outside of like in the car and whatnot and it was nice to kind of just have a reset on thinking about everything i had listened to all year and soon we're going to come out with an episode reviewing 2020 so i've been doing a lot of like looking back at things and figuring out my favorite albums of the year and re-listening to those and so i was like overloaded with music so then that time off is really great now we're moving into some new music and these are some singles that came out, I want to say, on the first that caught my eye. So, you know, Landon Tours, the vocalist of The Plot in You. Have you listened to much of his solo stuff besides AI640? No. He came out with a solo song called Gospel Therapy. Have you listened to it? No. That's a no. <laughs> Just shaking your head doesn't work in a podcast. I understand that. But I thought it was pretty good. Um... I don't really know what genre it is. It doesn't really have a genre, I guess. But Genres are all made up anyway. It's just like, that is true. They're all conspiracy against artists. No. But it would start off in like kind of like singy, uh, indie kind of style music, and then eventually started screaming and yelling and then going back to the singing. But I absolutely love Landon's voice, so definitely a song to check out. Especially if you like the plot in you, because it's got that similar vocal style even though the music is completely different it's a similar vocals but uh another single that came out that's actually a cover is flesh god apocalypse came out with a cover of blue daba d and i didn't know that was something i would want to hear what'd you think of it i didn't know it was something that i would want to hear and after hearing it i'm not sure if it's something that i should have listened to 
but it was fun. It is fun. It's definitely not a cover I'm going to re-listen to over and over or, or throw in a playlist or anything. But it's pretty funny. The, their orchestration really takes it to the next level there. Yeah. They're like little violins and shit in the background. It sounds epic, and it's just Blue Dabba D. Yeah. But it's epic. It's Like, if I ever have to go, like, if there's a clown apocalypse rather than a zombie apocalypse, this is my theme song. You know what? That's a pretty... You're going to get all the good clowns then. Like, all the strong-willed clowns around are going to flock to you. Mm-hmm. Wait, but, uh, is that what I would want to happen? Hmm. I mean, that depends. Do you want to survive? Yes. Then you need the clowns. And the clown apocalypse. Wait, so wait. Oh, wait. Hmm. It's like a zombie like, apocalypse, but with clowns. Then you definitely don't want the clowns. You want something to completely take the clowns away from you. For some reason, I was thinking it's only clowns in this apocalypse, so like you need to join with the clowns, but I was dumb. Unless, if you do join with that side and also stay good with the humans, they're not going to kill you. I could be a clown liaison. You could be like a clown spy. And everywhere I go, I have to broadcast Flesh God Apocalypse Blue Dabba Dee cover, because the only way I'll appease everyone. It's kind of like in The Walking Dead, when they put all the blood and guts over them to walk through the hordes. You're just going to blast Blue Dabba Dee by Flesh God, and all the clowns are going to feel like you're part of, you're like one of them. We've got this, this is the perfect plan. Clown Apocalypse, we're ready. 2021, we're ready. Hit us, Clown Apocalypse. (laughs) Whoa, 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 slow your roll there, I don't know. I don't know if you should openly welcome the clown apocalypse. We're just ready if it happens. Okay, ah, that's fair. But third on the list was, do you remember the Darko EP we listened to? I do. Death Mask? Mm-hmm. They came out with a new single. I think they're coming out with an album. I don't know, but the single was Pale Tongue. Did you end up listening to it? Mm, I didn't know it came out. It's different than Death Mask, but like very Darko. And Darko's, um, they're a super group, and I can't remember the two individuals in it. One is Tom Barber from... He was in he was in Lorna Shore, hmm. and then he was in I want to say Suicide Silence, but now he's in Chelsea Grin. I could have the Suicide Silence for one wrong. He might not have been in Suicide Silence, but his vocals are absolutely incredible. And the song was really good, but I didn't think it was as good as the Death Mask songs. I really like Death Mask though. And so did I. Fourth on the list is a little bit more of your uh, side of the pond, I guess. <laughs> Actually, I think this one came out pri- or before mm-hmm. January 1st, but I didn't find it till January 1st. It's Sit Through A's Differing Paths. So, It's actually pronounced C2? C2A. Mm-hmm. It, uh-huh. it looks okay. like Sit Through. Uh-huh. His Reddit username is C2A. So That would make sense. Yeah. What did you think of the song? Uh, I really liked it. I'm a fan of the other senpai work, so I know I'm going to enjoy this. But it's also... An anime-inspired progressive metal soundtrack, so it's gonna sound like an anime opener the entire time, which I love. It's, I'm all for that. Right, so it's not gonna sound as progressive metal as it is going to sound anime-themed music. It's just, it's just happy. His guitar tone's great. His playing is great. Well, if you like that guitar tone, it's great. I will say, like, <laughs> you don't like the guitar tone, do you? I don't know yet. Oh. I'm still debating. But here, let me let me do this mind trick on you. You like the guitar tone. Holy crap, I like the guitar tone. Of what? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to 
some we've been listening to albums on the review still for quite a while and we're still kind of a ways back but some that we listened to in december were first off intervals circadian and darn was it rhythmic but um <laughs> stupid so good so i've good. been trying to make that pun for like a week and you just off the cuff did it oh did you not when we were texting about the album did you not get my text about it maybe you did ignore it so it was probably that it was probably really bad in text. It, was, it works better when we talk in person that's fair but this is intervals do you know which album this is like number wise I don't. me neither circadian and intervals is a band that i've liked for quite a while i thought they've put out good music it's what it's an instrumental progressive metal rock artist something like that um I've always liked them. I've actually seen them live one time, and it's just a fun show, similar to like Polyphia, Chan, Pliny, those type of artists. Uh, intricate guitar work, fast-paced, um, lots of life. But I think his prior stuff almost felt more, how do I put it, passive. Like when you listen to it, it's not as something you're going to want to listen to and listen to as the only thing you're listening to because there wasn't really enough content to keep you interested, at least to keep me interested. But Circadian was the opposite of that. Circadian was a very well-done active album. There was so many incredible guitar moments in this album. And then when those guitar moments weren't happening, you had like really fun and like jazzy, I don't know. It was a solid, well-produced album that kept me on my toes the entire time. And instrumental albums don't always do that. So, I gave it a 9 out of 10, and my favorite song was String Theory, and I, I do, I'll sit by that that's for sure the best song on the album. I can't think of another song that's even close to it. What about you? What'd you think of, uh... So, historically, I always thought Intervals was good, but I didn't really enjoy listening to them. Um, their first album, I thought, was a little different, because it was more on the, like, breakdown-y, chuggy side, and then, like, their newer-ish stuff has been more... Mm, I think passive is a good word to use for it. But this album is just is it's great. It there's chugs in there. There's like smooth jazz kind of ish stuff. There's emotional guitar playing. The vocals are great. Oh, yeah, all of them. Yeah, all zero seconds of vocals. <laughs> um, I don't know. I came away just like really floored by this album. It was great. Yeah, I agree. I think like, that... I, I can't find a single thing wrong about it. I can't tell you I would do anything different. I would. I don't like. I listen to the album start to finish, and I'm like satisfied. I'm like that was a great listening experience. I just want to see it live. Seeing it live would be really fun. I thought that, like you said, they had it. He had a lot of different genres mixed in, and each each genre that he did mix in was really well done. Um, yeah, I, like I. S- Seeing this live would be so much fun because I have seen it live and the chugs were there and that was really fun live because it's like headbanging to these breakdowns but no vocals and it's not quite as intense but it's kind of more groovy. This album had a ton of groove to it and also is one of the best album arts of the year. Oh, absolutely. Um, I gave it a 9.25 and I'm going to say my favorite song is 5HTP. Oh, okay. Probably only because it's the starting song. So you listen to it a lot? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That happens to me with starting songs a lot, too. But, like, normally there's always a song I find later in the album that I like better because there's, like, build-up or something like that. But, like, 
I'd just be like, man, I want to listen to Intervals play and it's always the first song that comes on i'm like oh yeah and you get into that and then you'll might start not listening as actively later on so you'll forget what song but for me i listen to this a lot while working and every time string theory came on i picked up my phone was like what song is this string theory i did that a few times i was like that has to be my favorite song because there's just yep some moment in it i don't know what moment exactly that clicked in my head that made me want to remember it (laughs) i mean i gotta burp so bad right now i'm trying not to Put it up. You can't live. You can't have those things in. It's good. We'll put a sound effect over it. <laughs> we don't have sound effects. We'll Our sound effects are me going. Do we do we do we do we? We'll put one of those over there. Nah, that's fine. It's already gone. So. What did you do with it? It's back in my belly. It's just gonna be bigger next time. Well, then we'll have to put a bigger sound effect on. <laughs> uh, we're gonna hit you guys with a second album today. Well, yeah. that's a bit of a stretch. Well, okay, okay. It's actually an EP. Um, Upon a Burning Body, who they've been around the metalcore scene f- for a long time. They were one of the, f- probably, f- maybe not one of the first, but in that same time frame of when I got into it back in like 2011, they were going strong. They put a new EP, Built From War. Jordan, what'd you think of it? I thought it was okay. Um... I honestly felt it was kind of repetitive. Um, I didn't really like the lyrical content, especially on the weekend song or whatever that live for the weekend or something like that. I will say the lyrical content on that was less, but the lyrical content on all the other songs were really good. Well, that's that's the one that just stuck stuck with me. So like it just brought it all down. I don't know. The first time I listened to it, I thought this is good. Can't wait to listen to it again. And the second time, I'm like, I don't want to listen to this anymore. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very opposite of what happened to me. I know. First time I listened to it, I was like, damn, that's, that was pretty decent. And the second time I listened to it, I really focused on the guitars. And that's when it like hit me. So I listened to it like a third and maybe a fourth time. And I want to say that this probably had the best guitar work I had heard all year on this single EP. So it was short. It was fast. It was aggressive. And it was heavy. But it had these groovy guitars that on every song there was like a guitar solo. Every song had intricate guitar work. Almost everything else was forgettable. Like the drums, the bass. The vocals were decent, but nothing crazy. I do think the lyrical content in some of the songs, like uh, Chains of Agony, were... What's the other song? Extermination. Chains of Agony and Extermination were really good. But the guitar work just is what stood out over everything. Every time I was listening, I was listening to the guitar and there was swanky solos, heavy solos. There were really groovy parts that almost didn't sound like it should have been in the genre, but they were. And I thought it was really well done. So I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Did I say I gave it a 7.75? You didn't say that. Yeah, I gave it a 7.75. Well, I mean, if you didn't like it, you didn't like it, that's fair. I thought for an EP especially, it gave a lot of good content in a short amount of time, and that's all an EP really needs to do. True, I that's hate true. EPs that one song is good and the other three that are on there are just kind of there. Just should have just been a single. Exactly, but I felt this. I felt like this one was a solid front to back EP. I will say the lyrical content on the weekend song was a little bit more like party anthem style. Not quite my thing. Not definitely not your thing. So I get that. But. What are we talking about now? Oh, yeah. We're talking about... Because, you know, we talk about music all the time. 
But today we're gonna jump onto a little bit different of a boat. Jordan, we're gonna we're gonna swim in the waters of video games. We're gonna fall through the world. We are gonna fall through the world. We are gonna be an absolute train wreck, and we are going to con people. No, I'm just kidding. But the developers of Cyberpunk 2020, no, not 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the developers of Cyberpunk 2077 definitely did all of those things. So, we're going to give a little bit of a, more of a reaction to Cyberpunk 2077. We're going to stay away from spoilers. We're going to stay away from the story. We will talk about aspects of the game. Like, I don't know, how do I say this without spoiling things? I mean, we're going to talk about aspects of the game of how you create your character and some of those things without giving away spoilers. So, if you want to have a complete clean slate and not know anything about the game, whatsoever before playing it it's impossible you're gonna want to stop listening but we will talk or turn off your phone's internet capabilities not everyone follows the subreddits and whatnot so i mean i can't even open my facebook without getting cyberpunk news maybe that's a me problem that is definitely a you problem okay but either way no story spoilers so don't worry about that but there will be like the game setup spoilers you mean like life paths exactly so like you're gonna spoil the life paths, all of them. Well, there's not much to spoil. Exactly. But what I'm saying is I'm going to name the life paths, so some people might consider that a spoiler, some people won't. Okay, so you heard it here first. If you don't want anything spoiled, you need to quit whatever listening apparatus you're listening to. People don't, right don't now. listen on apparatuses anymore. They listen on their phones, Jordan. Whatever apparatus or phone you're listening to from this moment onward we will start talking about spoilers related to cyberpunk but not the story in three seconds in two seconds three in one second one you missed two two (laughs) all right here we go spoiler number one there's three life paths the first one's called nomad the second one's called street kid and the third one's called corpo dude we just spoiled it. I'm sorry for anyone who couldn't turn off their apparatus in time. Sucks to suck. Sucks but... to have an apparatus. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, there are three lives, life paths. And jumping into the game, they're supposed to mean something. And I'm, they do. Like, the, the starts of the game are very different based on what um, life path you choose. But in the end, it doesn't matter. But apparently, and I haven't finished the game. No, true, me neither. I don't. So I don't know. But from things I've read, and I have read a lot, it the life path only pertains to the first ten hours of the game, and then dialogue choices from there. But other than that, it didn't really have a a thing. But before we go down that rabbit hole, we're gonna talk about our experience with Cyberpunk. We we're fortunate to be able to take the day off on release day and spend all day hanging out, playing the game, kind of getting our fingers filled with the jelly that is Cyberpunk 2077. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what we did. Maybe you got your fingers filled with jelly. <laughs> My fingers were not punctured in any way. There's no jelly coming in I was in injecting all the jelly in my veins. Did it make your experience any more pleasurable than mine? No. What? No. Oh. Was yours pleasurable? We'll get to it. Okay. So, we played, 
And I'm going to speak for you because I'm pretty sure we played the same amount of time, basically. Yeah. Around 10 hours of the game, give or take an hour or two, mm-hmm. um, we both completed the prologue and a couple of hours after the prologue. And I really enjoyed what I played. I thought the, the story was well done. I thought it, the content was very fun and... Um, Sorry, I had to burp for a second. The content was really fun, and the it felt smooth. It didn't play bad. We both played it on PC. Jordan, you have a very well, nice PC, and I have probably a medium-tier PC, I would say. And it ran well on both of them. I would say yours definitely looked better, and mine had some funky-looking things, but performance-wise, always ran great. But I was disappointed. Like, even after those... 10 hours and we played a ton of it I was disappointed and first off I was disappointed with the character creation and that's an easy thing to start with because going into it they kind of had hinted that you can like create the character that you wanted to create they made it sound like if you had an idea of a person in your mind you could put that inside one exactly think what's that one game um Soul Soul Calibur yeah you can create almost any character ever in Soul Calibur that's what I was under the impression that this character creator was going to be, and I was so wrong. It's like six faces, 12 hairstyles, and like two penises. <laughs> there are two penises. But everything is a preset. You mm-hmm. can't change like the depth in the... There's no blend shapes at there's all. There's no blend shapes. You can't really change anything outside. You can't change anything outside the presets. And they gave a lot of presets, and you were able to change your hair color, your fingernails, they your genitals. Really cool the eyes were really, really cool. And they, they did some really awesome things with creating your character. But at the same time, you were very limited. Yep. And that was my first, like, flaw. And I made the character before going over to Jordan to play in the game. I, I wanted to make my character beforehand. And Veronica and I did it together. And we were both just like, man, like, we thought we were going to... We were going to create a uh, George Costanza from Seinfeld as our character. And we realized quickly that that was not possible. Um, Unless you forgot what George Costanza looked like, in right. which case it was very possible. If you forgot, it was very possible. But, uh, what, what did you think about anything to add about the character creation? I'll just say, like, in terms of the performance thing, uh, I had plenty of crash and glitch throughout the play. And I even had one that, like, wouldn't even let me launch the game after it crashed. I had to, like, open up some crash files and, like, edit some settings that, like, no, most people wouldn't have been able to figure out or been comfortable to do. And, like, that's just... We'll get to the more egregious, unacceptable things, but that's pretty... That's pretty crashes can happen. And game when you can't progress your game, that's a pretty bad crash. That should be something that they find in their bug testing. I mean, I don't work for game dev, but I do work in development, and this game was in development for what? Over eight years? I don't know. It's As soon as The Witcher released their last DLC, everyone was all hands on deck. But there was people working on it before that. Right, but what does that mean? That's true, that's true. And you, we don't know. We don't know all the details. But it was in development a long time. And things like that, they can happen from time to time. They happen in Fallout, I, w- I would say. They happen in other big games. But man. Yeah, so like... I expect crashes on PC games nowadays. 
But I don't, I don't expect crashes on a main quest line that whenever you resolve the quest makes it impossible to complete unless you reload the previous save. That's true. Like, that should not... And in, I'm sure that happens in rare cases, but, like, I looked online and there were so many people already with the same problem. Besides from that... And that was only, like, an hour or two into the game, right? Literally. Yeah, so that was fresh game. I guess it was the day after it came out, but, like, fresh game, only an hour or two in, and a ton of people were having that. That's a problem. But, yeah, I was kind of disappointed with the character creator, too, but, like, that's that's fine. You never really see your character in the game, which I was also disappointed about, but since I was disappointed by both of those things, like, I couldn't create the character I wanted, but also I couldn't really see them in the game. It didn't really matter to me. That is true. I was disappointed in that as well. Um, the only time you see your character in the game is when you're mirror. looking in the, the the menu at the inventory, you can see your character, and when you're looking in the mirror, which doesn't happen that often, and even when you look into a mirror, when you're not engaging with the mirror, you don't see your character. That is awful. That is a break of immersion. Um, and before I dive too much into this, I want to say that I was a huge fan of CD Projekt Red, the developers of this game, prior to The Witcher. That was my first experience with them. I've played a lot of Gwent as well, and I've always had a great um, user experience with their games. And the way that they present themselves online and present themselves in the media always made me respect them. The way that they tackled situations, the way that they talked about certain things, they seemed mature, they seemed open. But the launch of this game has very, very much skewed my thought on CD Projekt Red. It's almost like people in charge of the company right now were not the people in charge of the company before. It does it, seem it's like, like a, it's, it's a total 180 on like almost everything that used to But I don't believe for. that's true. I believe that the people that are online um, doing the interviews and the people that are online doing those things are obviously different than the people that are making the decisions up top, and they're definitely different than the developers. So you have three, from there, three groups of people. You have the, uh, the CEOs. We're just going to say the CEOs. That's going to be all of the upper management. You've got the marketing team, and you have the development team. There's probably a lot more than that and a lot more complex, but that's what we're going to talk about. So you have the the CEOs who, what they want is to release a game that is profitable. profitable, successful, on time, and brings in the money, honestly. The marketing team, all they want to do is hype the game up. So they're going to go, I don't know who they go to. I can't say who they go to. I'm There's sources. They're going to go to either the CEOs or the developers, and they're going to be like, yo, what's this game about? we got to tell people about it. They marketed it. They marketed this game hard, as an RPG, with the best immersion to ever. They literally had come out with like saying it was going to be the most immersive city you've ever played, with as much customization as you can get, and basically made it sound like you're going to be able to do whatever you want in this cyberpunk world. Unfortunately, that is not what we got, and we'll get to that. And then you have the developers, who developers from what I've heard worked over time for probably over half the project like six days a week this and that um, they kept telling the devel- the uh, CEOs that the game needed more time and that what they wanted was m- maybe not impossible but impossible in the time frame that they were given and I, there was also a lot of turnover so the developers that started the game were not the developers that ended the game at least not all of them there might have been some um, 
there was apparently a lot of people on The Witcher that moved to Cyberpunk, but didn't continue through Cyberpunk, from things that I've read. That the people that originally started Cyberpunk with the ideas, what they wanted to do with the game development-wise, were not the people that finished it. Maybe not all of them. There might have been some. So, as a developer myself, it is very difficult to take over someone else's work code-wise. I mean, that's one of the things you need to be able to do as a developer is to, um, I guess, be efficient in grabbing whatever code's in front of you and working with it. But it can be difficult. Um, obviously, we weren't there. We haven't seen what any of this code looked like, what any of the structure looked like, anything like that. But it does seem like the game was, the engine was built, and then it was completed by people that didn't know the engine. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it has great looks. When it runs well, it runs well. But there's a lot of moments where that engine seems like there's cracks in it. And that could easily be developers developing for that engine when they don't fully understand it. And that could be because of the turnover, and that could also be because of just an influx of employees that aren't familiar with what's going on. I don't know. What, what's your take on that? The game was the most impressive visual game I've ever seen. And that's about where the impressive things stop with this game. Their use of ray tracing everywhere makes every other game that came before it look like last generation, which is impressive. But I feel like they spent a lot of time on making everything look good. And then they didn't get to the polish, which is probably what they were trying to tell their upper management. And like, it's the little things. It's like everything in the world is reflected. So like a light source can reflect off a shiny metal object and you can like see people walking in the metal object, but you can't see your player character. Right. But you can see your player character's feet at any time and you can see other NPCs getting reflected. It's like there's a bunch of small things that take you out of this beautiful world and makes you realize that you're playing kind of like if I had to describe Cyberpunk in my experience, it was a tech demo with we won't I won't spoil anything about the story. A tech demo with a story and mediocre everything else. Yes. And like the worst part about Cyberpunk is the fact that given enough time, this game could have been everything they said it was going to and blown everyone's socks off. But the fact that it came out and it wasn't any of those things, but you could tell all of those systems were in place. They just weren't ready. Exactly, yeah. And like that's that's the saddest part. It's like I play this game and I imagine what it could have been and then I see my car stuck in the street blocking traffic for 400 miles because people don't know how to go three inches to the left to get around a car. Yeah, so... One of my favorite things about video games is the immersion. And when I can get immersed into a video game, that makes it a really good game for me. Red Dead Redemption 2, the uh, your ability as a user to be immersed into that world, doing what people would do back in those times, was insanely well done. And Cyberpunk was the opposite. So, I guess first I'll, I'll talk about those um, immersion aspects. You have the artificial intelligence of the uh, vehicles. 
So when you're driving in, uh, let's bring, just bring up Grand Theft Auto, for example, because they do have a similar like city feel to it. If you park your car in front of people, yes, they will stop. They will get mad. They will eventually try to go around you and they will, will like honk and like be upset with you. In Cyberpunk, if you stop your car in the middle of the road, literally the cars just all stop in a line. No one gets mad at you. No one gets out of their car. No one does anything. It's just, you could put your car in the road, walk around that area for like 10 minutes, and nothing's going to change. Those cars will still be just stuck behind your car. There's, There seems to be no artificial intelligence built into the vehicles of the game, into the traffic, I should say, not vehicles. Those are things that have been in video games for a long time. So to have a, such a modern game not have that is very weird and kind of it feels disconnected breaks the immersion the npcs are another thing and the part about the npcs really frustrates me because we had their marketing team come out over the years and tell us told the people that are going to buy the game that the npcs are going to have thousands of routines that this city is going to feel so full of life and real because of the routines of the npcs I can tell you that was a blatant lie. Maybe that was their plan in the end, but they never got there. They never got even close to it. The NPCs will walk up and down a block and eventually disappear. That doesn't necessarily break the immersion because I don't stay on a block too long. and Probably because there's nothing to do when you're just standing on a block of the street. But that's not the worst thing, walking back and disappearing. But there's other things that the NPCs do that completely break the immersion. And the first is reaction to their reaction to your actions. So if you're in the middle of the street full of 100 people, you can shoot your gun up in the air. Every single NPC is going to crouch at the exact same time, which looks ridiculous. You can look in one direction at a bunch of crouched NPCs, turn around, look at a different direction, turn back to where you are looking, and they're all disappeared. That breaks the immersion of the game. That is weird. That's not normal. And that's something that we have not had since probably PlayStation 1 or something. Like, I don't know. That That is a huge flaw in the game. Um, and, like, my favorite example of this, there's, there's a Reddit video. This guy walks up to a guy in a wheelchair, shoots his gun in the air. The guy gets out of his wheelchair, crouches down, stands up and runs away. Like, that just can't happen. Like, it's... For a small studio or an indie project, those are things you look past. For the game that was marketing the most intelligent city life you've ever seen, this is, like, not even most, vi- most like, minimum viable product. Exactly. And that's the real issue. We CD Projekt Red is kind of an indie company. In a sense, maybe maybe not. I don't know. They're not one hundred percent. They're publicly traded now. I would argue they're pretty large because they also own GOG. That's true, but outside of like The Witcher and things like that, they didn't. They haven't developed that many games, right? I could be wrong. They're. You're right. They haven't developed many games, but their involvement in the games industry is much more longstanding in like ports and such. True. Okay, that's fair. But their team. From what I've heard, it wasn't huge, at least not before Cyberpunk. You don't really need a, a large team to do a lot of these things, but... That's true. The more people you bring into the project, the bigger the expectation. But when you think of 
people, uh, um, sorry, development companies like Rockstar and Bethesda, they have, and Naughty Dog, they have hundreds and hundreds of people working on their games. Where I'm, I, I could be wrong, but Cyberpunk seems, at least from the things that I've read, to be a lot smaller of a team development wise, especially for Witcher and things like that. So I could understand if they didn't market the game that way, it coming out and the NPCs kind of interacting in a manner that's not as immersive as other games. But they marketed it hard that it was going to be extremely immersive. And that's the issue, is that they lied. I'm, the game is still fun and it's still good to play, but they lied about a lot of the features. Um... I mean, it's the classic case of hype kills your game. That is true. Another big immersion, because I, mean, I don't want to leave immersion just yet. There's a lot of things to talk about. But another big thing about the immersion was the um, the police and the wanted system. Another, I'm going to go back to Grand Theft Auto, probably because that's the closest game similarly, like, uh, I don't know, just like how it's like a living world that you interact with and you do crime and all this stuff. In Grand Theft Auto, when you commit a crime, you get one to five stars. If you have five stars, you have cops chasing you for a long, long time. You have to lose them. And it, can t- it can be pretty rough. In Cyberpunk, the wanted system is the worst wanted system I've ever played. There's there's no... there's no um, There is no wanted system, There honestly. is no wanted system. There's no way to make it sound better. I can be in the middle of a street, shoot someone in the head. I will get... I think there's one to three stars in this game. I have no idea. I've never gotten more than one. Okay, so you'll get a star. And what would you what would you in this situation think would happen? Well, for one star, I would imagine people would panic, and police would attempt to arrive to the scene if they weren't already there. Two stars, maybe more police, or in the cyberpunk world, maybe them flying police guys who like I don't know hunt people down would mm-hmm. come find me or something. But. In reality, what actually happens is you get in your car, you drive a block away, and they forget you exist. Yes. And if you don't drive a block away... And they will murder you instantly. Instead of them driving to the scene, they will spawn directly on top of you and just murder you. And we're like the exact inverse of Stormtrooper aim, where it's like you could be in an area that's super underleveled, like you're one-shotting everything, and this one... You could break someone's leg by accident because you open your car door and they run into it. Three seconds later, a cop's going to go and dome you immediately. Or, if you make it a block and a half, you're fine. They forget you exist. Yeah, it's weird. There's a, it's a, that breaks the immersion totally. Um, you can you can do anything as like a criminal and get away with it if you just drive a block. <clears throat> or you can just die from doing nothing. It's just super weird. Um, you can even be on top of a... 10-story building with a sniper rifle, shoot someone down below, and the cops will spawn on top of that building with you and kill you. There's just something wrong with all that, you know? They could have made that work lore-wise, though. Could they have? Cyberpunk? Hollow cops? <laughs> just like... I'm saying this could have been a bug that's a feature. That, that's fair, <laughs> that's fair. And then here's probably my biggest gripe with that exact topic. is early, There's a part in the game where you see the cops in action doing their jobs where there's a criminal on the street that is doing something bad. It's like, it's like a carjacking. It's something like that. The I don't forget what they're called. The cops in the game, they have a certain name. They come in through like a, um, hover, vehicle. a hover vehicle, drop down, 
they kill or apprehend these suspects. If that's what happened when you did stuff, that would be incredible. They like chased you around or something? Mm-hmm. And they That'd were in be... these... That would be so much fun. But they don't. They just spawn on top of you or if you drive a block, they're gone. Completely. Completely breaking the immersion. Yeah. And it's like they showed us what the cops should be doing. And then they were like, here's your idea of what the cops should do. Guess what? They don't actually work that way. They just do in that one cutscene. Yeah, it's just, it kind of reminds me of the No Man's Sky scandal, but this is much more egregious. I was very, um, what's the word for it, disappointed in No Man's Sky, but at the same time, I don't think No Man's Sky lied to us about the game that came out. No, I mean, it's not that they lied, it's just the collective hype around what the product could have been was too big for the game to deliver. Right. And who knows why it released when it did, because no one thinks it was ready. But it I, has turned I, into a I, game that's really good I kind of disagree now. with that. I think that it wasn't ready for the hype that it was given, but I think when it was released, it was still a good game. It just wasn't what was hyped up. But I don't think the developers lied, like Cyberpunk, or that CD I mean, Projekt Red lied. a very similar experience happened to me where the game glitched and I couldn't play it. That is different. That's a game-breaking glitch, and I I didn't experience that, so there's a different mindset there, but you're right. Those game-breaking glitches should not happen, should not occur. That being said, No Man's Sky, I don't think they lied. They might have put out a game that was buggy and that caused people to come go away from it and not have as much content as was hyped up, but they've put in more content oh, yeah. than the game. No ever. Man's Sky today is great. It's, Highly recommended. Yeah, it's if you like a space game, it's the space game to play for sure. Um, I have I have a feeling Cyberpunk's never going to get there. I am starting to agree with you. We'll have to see what happens when the next gen version of the game comes out, because that's what's really going to seal the deal on whether or not it's going to get fixed or not. Um, but. I almost think the company is just going to cut their loss. I think so as well. And, and like, the, the reason for that is some of the things that they need to add into the game, like these a, the, the AI... It fundamentally changes everything. It does fundamentally change everything. And it, it's gonna the engine needs to be changed almost in order for that to happen. And if those people that put the game out... like those, There's such a far difference from what there is in the game than what there should be in the game. Not even what could be, but should be in the game. That's months and months, maybe years of work. And for each of those things, for the traffic AI, for the human AI, for all those things, that I just can't see them putting that effort into that game that they've already made tons of money on. I don't know. It. I could be just pessimistic in that sense, but I think it's going to get better with the bugs. That It's going to be a game that's performance-wise better playable and there won't be as many bugs but the core flaws aren't going anywhere i don't think so but i hope i'm wrong so we talk, 2078. we talked about a lot of the immersion flaws of the game but there's there's a lot more flaws than the, just that and let's go to some of those quality of life flaws what do you have in mind the first one that comes to mind is the fact that the crouch button and the skip dialogue button are the same button. 
Why is that an issue? No one thinks it's an issue, right? If I crouch and I accidentally go into a dialogue sequence, can't, can't uncrouch. you cannot uncrouch. If you try to uncrouch, you skip the dialogue. And I've skipped too many dialogues because I'm, mm-hmm. I don't think about it because I'm just crouched and I just want to get uncrouched real quick. And I don't know what other games do to combat this. I really don't. But it's either those buttons shouldn't be the same button or if you shouldn't be able to stay crouched going into like they should uncrouch you as you go into a talking scene because you could be in a serious talking scene with an npc that you should probably be eye to eye with that you're crouched for could be my bad that i was crouched going into it but there's a quality of life flaw there i mean like look at look at skyrim you can do whatever you want while npcs are talking in that game that's true like you should be able to do whatever you want whenever you want and unless you're in a fallout style like dialogue system you shouldn't be able to skip the dialogue because that's immersion breaking that's true the way they skip dialogue is really well they kind of glitch the game to where it seems like you skip ahead i think that's really well done um but i agree They, they should i don't dislike that you can skip dialogue especially for a game that has a lot of replayability but I don't know. That is just weird, and it, it gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Second thing that I think of is the mini-map. I hate the mini-map. The mini-map is so useless. And, like, okay, do your piece. I'll talk, and then we'll segue into driving. Okay, okay. So the mini-map is just, it's so small, and that's fine when you're walking around to be small, and I like that because you can get the, the details of where you're at. But when you're driving and it's that small... You need you can't turn efficiently. You'll you'll all of a sudden see that you need to turn. You'll start turning and you'll miss your turn, and it happens all the time. So you have to almost predict where you're going to be going. All they had to do was keep the mini map the same when you're walking around, but as soon as you enter a vehicle, zoom out, zoom out fifty, a hundred percent, whatever it is, would have changed the game so much. But Absolutely. What were you going to say? The same thing. The minimap is useless because there's no zoom level at all. You pretty much have to open the map if you want to ever use the map. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. It's like a 3D. But anyway, and for a game where you spend so much time in your car, it's like, how did no one during this playtesting process go, this map sucks? Did they just play the game so much they knew where all their turns were already? I feel like they didn't playtest it that well. And, like, it's it's kind of cool that you have to learn, like, you get to learn the city and, like, you know where to turn. But I shouldn't have to destroy my car learning how to go where I need to go. And maybe use motorcycles all the time, which motorcycles are definitely the way to go. Motorcycles so far seem to be the way to go. It's just easier to maneuver, but... And, like, driving's so atrocious because the controls aren't even that fluid. And you drive, and like you look in the distance, and it looks like there's 70 cars in front of you, and you never see a single car, because they despawn and won't spawn in in time if you're going that fast. That's true, and that's, I don't hate the driving as like um, the mechanics of the driving. Like it doesn't feel great, but it doesn't feel bad. It's kind of just like it's serviceable. It's something to get used to, but yes, the immersion when it comes to other cars on the road you can i've even watched people drive through cars like mm-hmm. l- like lines and lines of traffic when they're going fast and then there's also no parking anywhere in the game 
there's there's no parking lots, no parking garages. Like basically, if you want to park, you either have to park in the street or on the sidewalk. And I don't know. Maybe that's how the city is supposed to be. There's one parking garage at your apartment. That's true. That is true. But the, it just the, again, that's just one of those immersion things that really just takes away from the game when it doesn't need to. Like if you were to just added in those things, the game would feel so much more full of life. Um, what's another quality of life that you can think of? I mean, there, there's so many, there's so many things. Like, I mean, I would just consider this a bug, honestly, but like I was playing with controller and every time I'd open my menu, my button would get stuck. My controller's button wasn't stuck. It wasn't registering multiple inputs, but every time I talk, anytime a voice activated on my screen, my character zoomed in. Really? Even if I wasn't holding a gun. Really? And then like I'd have to press the zoom button twice to like toggle zoom and then untoggle zoom. There's there's so many things that are just causing so much friction when you play this game that it makes it a chore to play a glorified tech demo. Yeah. And like, and man, do you have anything else to say about quality of life? I was about to bring it to customization. Let's go to customization. So like, Cyberpunk's kind of a looter shooter. It is, and like that's Cyberpunk is not a full fledged RPG. Has RPG elements, but it is a action adventure looter shooter. Like that's fine if it if they marketed it that way, and like they didn't. Here's the problem, though. It's like I pick up a gun, and then you can, like, craft things in this game. But you can never really craft anything worthwhile. And, like, you f- you find a gun. You go buy a gun. The in-game economy is broken. Everything's so expensive, and you don't really get that much money. So, like, okay, I spent all my money on this great-looking gun. And then two minutes later, I find a common gun that does more damage than it. Like, I can't justify using this gun I just bought. The, the loot system is completely broken. And then, like, you you kind of had to do this in The Witcher also, which was kind of funny in The Witcher, but, like, you pretty much look like a clown 24-7 because you got to wear the best gear. But why couldn't they have just done a vanity system like most other looter shooters do where you can equip armor for their stats and then equip armor for their looks? Exactly. Or have at least some type of armor, special armor in the game that's going to be for sure better than other stuff that you use. I don't know. You... When you go through, like, in a, if there's something happening on the street and you kill a bunch of people, there's going to be a bunch of loot, and you pick it up. Half of it's going to be better than what you have. Half of it's not. And I don't know. It just... You can find a, a named weapon, a gun with a cool name that does a cool, maybe, like, certain ability, and it's within your next um, fight that you encounter, it's going to be obsolete. And there's just something wrong with that. And like you said, the crafting, there there is really cool crafting in the game. It sounds like it should be awesome. Every time you find a gun you or an, a weapon, you can then craft that weapon. Um, you can even find schematics. You can do all this stuff. But every time I've looked at crafting and I've upgraded my crafting because I thought that was something I would want to do, nothing is ever that good. You can then upgrade weapons that you already have. But you have to spend a ton of resources, and it, the upgrade won't be as good as the stuff you have. And it's... I don't know. As an RPG, 
th- that's flawed. Like all of that looting that you do feels like it's not truly what you want to do and just kind of what's handed to you. And even as a looter shooter, it's not that fun because you can't go and try to find the best weapons or find certain abilities and weapons because there's always going to be something better the next encounter that you have. And like none of the weapons are particularly different. They all, there's like the archetypes, sure, but in that archetype, it's like, it's the same thing. It just looks different. That's true. And we are only like 10, like 12, maybe 15 hours into the game. So there could be stuff later on that we haven't encountered. But even that far into the game, you should we shouldn't have these these mindsets. I shouldn't be able to find a gun that's a higher level than me, pick it up, can't use it. By the time I get to that level, my common gun already does more damage than this legendary named gun. Like exactly. That shouldn't. That just can't happen. Exactly. So that's kind of the we went from customization to looting somehow, but. Going back to customization, your character, you create them in the character creator before starting the game, and then you can never change them. You can change their clothes, you can change their guns, their hair stays the same, their makeup stays the same, their tattoos stay the same. And for a game all about cybernetically enhancing yourself. All about being able to be who you want to be and all this stuff, that is bonkers, man, like... Even in The Witcher, you could st- change your hairstyle. And I felt like The Witcher's customization elements were pretty bare because you were always Geralt, and you had to stay Geralt. But you could still customize Geralt more than you can customize your character in Cyberpunk. And your character's... I guess he has a name, so you're supposed to be this character in the game. But they kind of marketed it as you were supposed to play it as yourself or maybe as a character that you wanted to build. And that's like another problem I had. is I never particularly felt like any of the stuff that I wanted to do was an option. It was always, I'm playing this game as V, which is the character, and I get to watch V make all of their decisions, yet I have to act them out. Yeah. Like, what if I didn't want to blow up this truck or whatever? The game ends? Great. <laughs> game over? Sweet. Yeah, and that, man... Those things to where you can't make the game yourself is another huge flaw. You you have an apartment in the game, but you can't customize anything in it. You have vehicles in the game, but you cannot customize anything about them. You have your person, and you can't customize anything about them. So, again, it's not quite an RPG, even though it has RPG elements, there's, there's just something about it that really breaks that immersion. Um, what? Let's go and move on to the world and how you can interact with the world and the things in the world. I don't know if that makes sense, but... It doesn't. Go okay. ahead and start. So I'll start. When I came into this game, I thought I would be able to walk around the city talk to people, go to booths, talk, interact. You can kind of do that. You can go to different stores and booths and buy stuff from them, but that's really all you can do. Outside of story and certain side mission NPCs, you can't talk to anybody. You You can hit the button to talk, and they'll say something back, and that's all that happens. 
I don't know, man. That seems wrong. In Grand Theft Auto 4, this was on the PS3. This was forever ago. You could go bowling. You could go and do all these different activities in the world. And there's nothing like that in Cyberpunk. Outside of the story, the side missions, gigs, and buying vehicles and buying stuff, there's nothing to do. You can't go anywhere and do something for leisure. It's all with, like, I don't know. That's That seems broken to me. What about you? For a game that was marketed as open world, it should have been linear. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it's, that's it. It's, yeah. None of none of what makes it an open world game is good. Everything's bad. If they were to just keep you to the cutscenes and curated your experience top to bottom, this probably would have been a much better game. That's true. My my biggest, I guess, complaint about the game is that what they marketed in was in, did I say that right? Marketed in, marketed, marketed in. Marketed. I don't know. How they marketed the game? How they marketed. Okay, I'm adding too many edits in there. But, <laughs> marketed it. Uh, how they marketed it, 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 the game was not what the game came out as, and that is wrong. Like, it's fine to hype up your game, and it's fine, but when you're talking about core features of a game and you're saying that those are going to be in there and they're not, that's a major problem. So. Let's jump into probably what I would say is the last thing about gameplay features before we move into the things that CD Projekt Red did. Gameplay features. They introduced you to some incredible things that they did not do anything with. The first is life paths. You can choose one of three life paths. That's not that many when you think of like classes and stuff like that, but at least it's something and those life paths were very different. But then once you got past the prologue, they were irrelevant. That's really the only talking point we have, but that's something that needs to be said and something that needs to be kind of seen as like, that's wrong. Second, brain dances. So I don't want to spoil too much. I don't know if this is a spoiler, but there's a thing in the game called brain dances. And it's basically something that your character can interact with. They can buy brain dances from certain individuals and own them, but outside of story missions, you can never use them, ever. So that's something that they spent an entire mission showing you, introducing you to, introducing you how to control it, all the different features of it, and then later in the game, you can never use it. That's that's not right. I don't know if, what, how you feel, but like giving you all of this like, hype for this one thing in the game and then taking it all away from you is just wrong um let me try talk on that while i try to think of a second version of that in the game i mean there's really not much else to add it's just they didn't it's half implemented is really the what it comes down to yeah and that's with the wanted system the police the brain dances, the AI, every, everything in the game seems half or less than half implemented. Mm -hmm. So Cyberpunk released this game December 10th, 2020. CD Projekt. I'm sorry, I keep doing that. CD Projekt Red released this game December 10th, 2020 after probably around a year maybe of delays, mm -hmm. if not more. And 
how do I say this? Outside of the game and its bugs, what CD Projekt Red did, both as a company and the way they marketed it, I think should be something that needs to be handled in an authoritative way. I mean, they are getting sued. They are getting sued. That's a little different. There should be rules in place that a launch like this should never exist again because they lied to consumers. They, they, they said there's going to be features in the game that there aren't. And then they, they explicitly said in interviews leading up to launch, they were asked, how is that game running on last gen? And by last gen, that's PS4 and Xbox One, even though that game was always slated to be released on those consoles so that for them should never be seen as last gen that should be seen as the benchmark maybe not the benchmark but that should be seen as something that's critical to their release those games on those systems were released so broken that people often couldn't even play them so people spent 60 dollars on a pre-order after the developers said that the game ran great they said the game ran great on the old gen and that was a blatant lie depends on how you define run it, it does depend on how you define run. Well, actually, no, because it doesn't even... It still crashes. It crashes, so it doesn't run at times. Um, <clears throat> sorry. That is... That is wrong. I don't, I'm trying to think. Of, so the next thing that happened in the timeline after release was people were demanding refunds. Definitely worthy of a refund, I would say. So CD Projekt Red decided, okay... We were wrong. So if you bought this game on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, any of the last-gen systems, you can now get a refund. The problem is they went out, and I think this was like two days after release, maybe three. They didn't talk to any of the, uh, um, what's the word, the stores? What is there a word I'm looking for here? The markets? Places that they stores didn't talk to any of the stores or marketplaces that these games were on about that. So they said to everybody, go get a refund. That goes viral. Everyone is from, not everyone, a lot of people are now demanding refunds. So they're calling Sony and they're calling Xbox and they're saying, hey, we want a refund for this game because Cyberpunk said we can get that refund. Sony, as most users know, have a very strict refund policy and if you buy it digitally you can't get a refund and that's fine if you know that's the policy so they were refusing refunds because they never agreed to this microsoft from what i understand did give more refunds than sony but some they did refuse some as well so it depended on it depended on who you called that right there is malpractice that is a very bad thing to do by cd project red because not only did they trick the the people that bought the game saying they can get a refund they also made it made it the lives worse of those working at sony and working at microsoft so these users will go and um, request refunds through sony so a Sony representative has to answer that phone, take their time to answer that phone, tell them that their policy says they can't get a refund, get most likely, maybe not every scenario, but in some, get yelled at by the person because they really want their refund, making that person on the call's life worse. So all CD Projekt Red did with that announcement was deflect. They deflected blame. They put it onto other people 
Sony, Microsoft, these physical, most physical retailers have a refund policy anyways, so that's not as relevant, but and never said sorry about it. So they, they also said, if these people will not give you a refund, here's an email address to go to to get one. People would go to Sony, they would get rejected by Sony, they would then email the Cyberpunk email address, they would say, oh, I'm sorry, that, that sucks. Um, you need to talk to Sony about that. Deflecting. So they basically put all the blame onto other people other than themselves. And I don't know, man, that, that was the part that really made me angry and hurt by the company and made me kind of like drop the company from my respective list. Like, I don't know. What do you, what, what was your thought process and like kind of taking all of that? It was really scummy. I mean, they essentially appeased the customers by saying, we fucked up. We're sorry. We'll give you your money back. And then very subtly said, you'll have to go through the, pe- the people you bought it to refund it. Knowing full well that most people weren't going to be able to get a refund. I mean, it, that's wrong. Now, Sony and Microsoft have both come out and said that you can get refunds for the game. They have both taken it down from their store, which is great because the game shouldn't have been on those systems, on the PS4 and Xbox One anyways. Um, not that it shouldn't have been there, but it's not in that state, at least. Um, but the, the Cyberpunk should have at least talked to those companies first, getting their approval before putting out that, that announcement. And that was a major flaw. And then I guess the last thing I want to speak on, other than the fact that they haven't apologized for much, like, I guess they don't need to apologize, but they should at least come out and say, like, something, I think. I mean, they, they did say they fucked up, but it wasn't an apology. They, they, the only thing they said was that they messed up when it comes to the PS4 and Xbox One and the fact that it crashes. They never said anything about missing features, and they never said anything about the bugs on other um, systems and platforms but there was a leaked phone call from the board of directors of or sorry leaked phone call from the higher ups at CD Projekt Red and their what is it uh, investors I didn't listen to the entire phone call but I've read over um, transcripts from it and this was my take CD Projekt Red did not feel bad about the launch they kept deflecting things. They kept saying that, like, they even said in that phone call that they knew that the PS4 and the Xbox One versions weren't ready, and they put it out anyways. So that's that's bad. So I'm not going to speak too much on it because I don't know all the full details, but what I do know is that what CD Projekt Red did needs to be something that the video game industry as a whole looks into and comes up with guidelines or some type of rule set to make sure that doesn't happen again because I feel bad for the developers. They probably put an incredible amount of time, effort, sweat, blood, and tears into this game and then they're getting a lot of crap from it. And the developers really probably don't deserve that crap at all. I'm sure it's only the higher-ups at CD Projekt Red that kept pushing for the game to be released um, from what I understand, the game was cut and restarted on multiple occasions. So over that eight years, what we have now didn't start eight years ago. It started maybe a few years ago. I don't know. So there needs to be some sort of rule set in place 
so that the customers aren't paying for a game that broken, especially when there's features that are lied about, there needs to be a governing body or something that when a company says that these features are in the game, when the game goes gold, it goes to this governing body who then reviews the game, makes sure that it is up to what they said it would be or if it's not they have they have to make a statement saying that hey like these features didn't make it into the game it'll come in later or this and that because they released something that they lied about and that's just i don't know that's scummy i mean the much easier solution is just never pre-order games ever again sony and xbox sony and microsoft should have never allowed them CD Projekt Red, that is, to release the game on their storefront because they have to QA test these games before stuff reaches their storefront. I don't think any of this falls on CD Projekt Red at all. This is all in the industry at large. The only thing CD Projekt did was lie about features and then mm. cover it up in the scummiest way possible. There's a little bit on CD Projekt Red. They shouldn't have tried releasing the game in that state. I do agree that Sony and Microsoft should have did their due diligence in making sure that those games didn't hit their stores in the way it was. And from what I've read, CD Projekt Red came to him with the game. Sony Microsoft said, yo, this is not ready. We need to fix these things. And this is where the fault happened, was they just allowed CD Projekt Red to say, okay, we will fix those things by launch and get it to you. And they didn't. So, I mean, the answer, right. But going forward, the answer needs to be, we can't allow it. They need to pull an Apple. If it doesn't meet the feature for whatever reason, it's not allowed, full stop. There's no, we'll get it to you. It's, we won't accept it until these are met. If that doesn't jive with you, sorry. Right. There's something that needs to change. Overall, Cyberpunk is a unique experience. It is, the story so far has been well done. Um, I, I can't fault the story at all so far. It's just, it's not the game that they marketed. The immersion is not there. And if you aren't playing on a high-end system, it doesn't all it doesn't really necessarily look that great. Like I have a medium-end PC that whenever I play Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I'm sitting there in awe of the the environment around me. But in Cyberpunk, it kind of looks muddied. It doesn't look that great. So I don't know, man. I'm highly disappointed in the game. I'm highly disappointed in CD Projekt Red. I think that this needs to be a wake-up call for the video game industry, but I'm also hopeful that CD Projekt Red will buckle down and fix the issues. I don't even care if they fix the bugs, to be honest. I want them to fix the parts that they took out of the game and the immersion that is not there in the game. That would be far-fetched, but we can only hope, right? We can only hope. And I really hope this doesn't turn people off of Cyberpunk. I... <laughs> Probably don't buy it for a year, but then buy it on sale. I really would not buy it now if I were you. Um, if you want to get the full experience of it, wait till they put out those patches and see what people say from there. Give it the No Man's Sky treatment. Like wait for that, because you can enjoy it now, but you're not going to get full enjoyment. So if you're one of those people that is kind of pressed for time and can only play a game, you don't play games multiple times. I would totally wait. If you are a person that plays games over and over and over again buy it now go i mean do whatever you want to do obviously that's nothing yet. but i'm i'm disappointed it was it was a sad day either way i think that man i keep going back to this i just i want change i want something in place so that doesn't happen again 
it will we see that? Probably not, but I want it to happen. Just don't pre-order it, man. But that's the thing. That should. I understand that mindset, but I don't think that should necessarily be the mindset. Like people should be excited. If no one pre-ordered the game, they weren't going to be able to pull as much trickery as they did. You're right. That is true. But the same. No, you're right. If people didn't pre-order the game, that wouldn't have happened. I mean, they would have still sold copies, but people would have been. People would have been like, oh. And we probably shouldn't get into this for time reasons, but the fact that they didn't give any review copies to reviewers of console games is another <sighs> scummy thing, because we, then everyone canceled their pre-orders. We could totally go into that if you want to. The fact that... I when, don't think my laptop's going to make it. Oh, okay. But when the reviews came out, the reviews said that the game was a 90+. Plus, and that's one of the... I didn't pre-order until after that happened. So there's another... There's another flaw in the entire system of video game industry that the reviewers reviewed this game not for what it was. There's no chance. And f- what I've read is there has been there have been refu- reviewers that have come out and said that they gave those 90 plus ratings because they knew that at CD Projekt Red that the developers would not get a bonus unless the game received a 90 or better. One, that's awful by CD Projekt Red to not give their employees bonuses just if the game didn't reach the rating that they were hoping for. Two, that is awful for the reviewers to con the users into believing this game is something that it isn't. And one, and I will never ever say this again, but props to GameSpot for being one of the few reviewers to actually give this game the rating it deserved. They gave it like a seven or a six or something like that. They actually addressed the issues with the game and they got crap for it because everyone saw all the other reviews and it's like, GameStop, what are you on? Like, But that's not even what I'm talking about. They were not, were not giving out PS4 or Xbox One review copies. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, and like, <sighs> again, the PC version has its problems, but it's nowhere near as bad as the console, which makes up, if I remember the stat correctly, 60% or something like that of their total like profit for the game. At least around half of the game came from consoles yeah i don't know that's oh, that's so scummy before i get too upset though and before your computer dies let's move on to our the ending of this podcast first i want to thank everybody for listening to us rant about cyberpunk 2077 i really hope that wasn't too much of a downer i just wanted to get information out there for people that maybe don't have the game yet and have been thinking about it because i would wait i really would um as always, we always like to give hot takes and metal greats, add them to our playlist for you guys to listen to. So this week, we do you have a hot take? I mean, this whole episode was really a hot take, if you ask me. That's but true. Yes, I have one. So we're gonna drop. We're each gonna drop our hot take real quick. First off, from me, hot take this week is the the song "Suffer More" by the band Bather. This band is one that I've recently found due to a friend of mine putting on their album of the years. It's a it's a small EP, only like four songs. It's extremely heavy and droning. I'm trying to think of a band that sounds similar. It's very slow beat, very low tempo, very heavy, and just kind of draining. It's uh, think of almost end, but not as fast paced. Much slower paced, and that's what Bather is. A lot of emotion, very heavy. Check it out. Jordan, what about you? Mine's going to be Wake Up, Get Up, Get Out There. It's off the Persona 5 soundtrack. Um, Persona 5 is a great game. 
You might want to play that over Cyberpunk. <laughs> but the soundtrack in that game is like, it's so incredibly good. Um, this is the title track, the in- opening song. I don't know, it's great. It's a little jazzy. I haven't played Persona. I kind of want to after watching Erased, but that's a different story. I do think that the soundtrack, from what I've heard, is pretty good. So, yeah, give it a shot. Mm, definitely. You got an MG, Metal Great? Metal Great. So, one of my favorite metal bands, Periphery, has a lot of great songs. They really do. Wait, it wasn't Katy Perry? No, it's not Katy Perry this week. But uh, Periphery's Alpha and Omega ended, or kind of ended, this isn't the final, final song, on a great note with uh, the song Omega, where they kind of go replay the entire second half of that uh, or they replay Omega the album for you in this song Omega incredibly well done it's a massive song what like 15 minutes or so something like that so that's my metal grade for the week Peripheries Omega I agree mine's Lorna Shore Immortal Immortal I don't know that's just like I honestly don't think a better deathcore song could be written. That's funny because that's not even my favorite song on that record. But it is an incredible, incredible song. I don't song. think a better deathcore song could be written. <laughs> Can you like other ones more than that? Maybe. But like, I don't. I'm going to look back like 10 years from now and think this, like, Immortal was like a baby. Like, this is what I would play for my newborn kid. Straight out of the womb. Like, that's how easy, soft it is. I don't think that's going to be the case, but let's hope. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but like right now, it's perfect. It is perfect. So thank you, everybody, for listening to us today. Logan here, Jordan there. Really appreciate your ears. Um, next up, maybe not the next episode, but coming very soon. Hashtag soon. Hashtag soon. And I, we always say soon, but then it's like weeks before something comes up. Hashtag soon, we are going to be dropping our 2020 in review. We're going to give you our top 10 albums of the year and maybe a little bit more. Things we were surprised by, things we, I don't know. We we don't have the full script yet, but we're going to bring it to you. So expect that to come out soon. But other than that, as always, thank you so much for listening and stay metal.